0: Man, I think I mean I'm old school, you know a bit. Obviously, I'm 41 years old, so I I would say Pennywise, Bad Religion, get the old guys, get, get the old guys back, man. It's like you know, it's like Bad Religion, Pennywise, no effects.
1: Heaven, heaven, heaven is a whole and it always asks for more. As much as was back when, when we do this, we kind of go you know uh, walk our way backwards. and I was actually gonna gonna ask you about the new single to begin with because well first of all, it's it sounds really great and uh, uh, the video really captures your your attention. Uh, there's all that military imagery and although it's melodic, there's a lot of tension to it and and I'm wondering what the inspiration behind that was, just if you give us any uh, you know any info and hints.
0: Are you talking about uh, Fire Off another?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I guess you have two, two new singles in, you know, a short space of time, that and uh, Oli Oli Free.
0: Sure. Uh, well, I mean, I, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of a clear message uh, to, you know, to, to start off, I think, a little bit. It's, uh, it's been a really different year and a half, obviously, you know, for everybody around the world, not just here at home, um, but everywhere. I mean, we had our 25-year anniversary two years ago now, and we were supposed to come out to Europe and do our 25-year tour. Uh, go to Japan, go to Korea, go to uh, Alaska—you know, you name it. We had this whole thing planned out, and things changed obviously with all the uh, pandemic stuff. Um, the 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 main, I guess, the main idea behind Fire Off is it's not one-directionally driven. It's it's more it's more open uh, open-minded to leave it to people to feel what they they think and feel about um, what it means in their own right i guess given the past year and a half um uh, a lot of it is you know uh people i mean just this it's happened with like friends um and uh family and stuff you know people being separated quite a lot throughout this time you know with different opinions and um it's it's a lot of people it's, it's the idea of like talking talking a lot without really knowing your facts i guess and then kind of burying yourself a little bit you know and then being called out on it Um, which is fire up another which is like yeah keep on spitting your things you know and it's like um, I'll be here to try and uh, accommodate to that or call you out on it in a sense I guess.
1: (laughs) Right right and I'm guessing this was one of uh, the later questions but maybe it makes sense uh, because obviously your band has often had a, a political message um and it it seems to be so much tension in in just delivering any political message nowadays or or, or seems like that uh, from looking from afar has that yes. changed in any way is there more of a risk of uh, upsetting people alienating people things like that
0: well yeah of course i mean uh, you know, there's always gonna be like different opinions you know as i say it's like but it's like our band's never been a fully political kind of pressing band we're not politicians you know we just we see what we see and we feel what we feel we observe and speak about it you know the way it affects us individually you know so we're not here to tell people what to do or think by any means ever um even songs like our song revolution back in the day it sounds like an extremely political song but it's really based upon personal revolution. It's about changing yourself to make things better in the world that you live in. And uh, nothing's gonna be better if you don't do that yourself. You know, It's like, it's not directionally toward left wing, right wing, this way, that way, whatever the case, it's just a matter of like really evaluating the situation you're in. And if you wanna make it better, it's up to you to make the change to do so.
1: Absolutely. Um, and I'm wondering actually about that because uh, like you said, obviously, the band is is far from one-dimensional. If anything, it's one of the more uh, eclectic bands of, of this type. Um, I'm wondering if that in, in any way sort of hurts, because obviously when, when a band gets successful, uh, usually media outlets tend to want to put it in a, a certain box, and I, I don't think that that works for, for Authority to Zero.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, that's been kind of our lifelong uh deal you know it's like we've been we've been a band for 27 years and uh we've never been put in a category really to be honest with you punk rock reggae ska rock and roll you know you know uh, because we do enjoy playing all sorts of music and we don't we don't care it's like we just have a good time playing it it's like it keeps us entertained as well as the audience you know it's like if we're not entertained ourselves no one else is going to care it seems you know you know it's like no one's going to enjoy it as much uh, if we're not enjoying ourselves also playing the music so we always try and branch out and try different different things, different sounds, different music. Just do what we play the music we love uh, in, in a very broad sp- spectrum of it all. Um, but on that end of it, like you say, it does it has affected the band is uh, a little bit as far as like people not knowing what the hell we're doing, and okay. so <laughs> you know they're like, are they a punk band or are they a reggae band Are they a the combination band? It's like it's really confusing to people, which again um, has been our uh, longevic uh, test of time to like you know see who sticks around who doesn't you know kind of deal
1: right right and th- does that actually uh, sort of happen uh, organically because even going from one album to another you can definitely hear shifts in sound just going from maybe a more reggae or Latin favor to something more rockish more uh, you know, uh, with with more punk rock energy do you guys actually uh sort of sit in a room and decide this is the next project or does it kind of happen
0: it just happens man honestly like uh, yeah you know we've had uh, band member change ups throughout the years you know and like with each person comes a new personality and a person's different flavors and tastes in music and i've always been very open personally to like just rolling with it you know man and, and like really just seeing what what comes of it and then writing to New styles. It's just it keeps it interesting for us, to be honest with you, like all around. It just keeps it fun. That's I think that's why we're still a band. Is because Absolutely. of the fact that we just got of keep an open mind and we uh hope others others do as well when they listen to the, the music and you know, just keep on playing our faces off. <laughs>
1: Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. But the one thing I guess is uh if, if there was one element that I'd sort of use to to define the band, it's just uh, the songwriting. It's so uh melodic and then for lack of a better word it's very catchy and that hasn't changed i mean i think uh your uh, fire off another is you know maybe one of your your best singles and how does that work how does the the songwriting process work there's obviously so many hooks usually uh, but also you know the energy and very good playing
0: yeah i've always been a big i've, I've always been really big on the hooks like the choruses like you know it's like i'm, a, I'm kind of an anth- anthematic writer i guess you know i really like Every time I write a song, I picture us in a big stadium or a small club, even with just tons of people just screaming the words right back. You know what I mean? That's that's kind of how I envision songwriting when I go along with it. Um, so basically what I do with uh, the songwriting is like, it starts on the acoustic guitar, typically. Um, myself and Mike, my bass player, um, this last record, him and I wrote the the, the album mostly front to back with our, our drummer, Chris Dally. And um, I would start with the chorus, but the bass, the base of the meat of the song, you know, the main purpose of it, and then write what I'm trying to talk about around it with the verses and the breakdowns and stuff like that. You know, so it pretty much starts that way. It's like me and Michael just start, start strumming on our acoustic guitars, and then um, I'll start just humming something, you know, like a melody at least, and then come up with the words, and then uh, write around that, like I say, and then we'll put it to electric through GarageBand or through you know whatever program we have at hand, and then roll with that. Yeah.
1: That's brilliant and it, and it always sounds sounds great and, and like I said very very memorable and and you mentioned the uh, uh, garage banda uh, so I guess think, things like that just recording uh, uh DIY I, I'm wondering uh, is there a big difference from uh I guess recording in in the older days especially since from from what I understand you you had uh support let's say from from major labels and I'm wondering does that budget or recording studios uh count a lot for for the sound because to be frank it it, it sounds brilliant in both uh, scenarios.
0: I agree. No, I, I love the raw sound of the garage band, and like just the, the roughness of it, you know, which is killer. Um, but yeah, like the, the label stuff was like back in 2001. So it's been almost 20 years since we've had any kind of uh, support of that nature. We've been independent for probably at least 15 years upwards um, doing our own thing. So it's been, it's been just kind of touring, making the money, and then uh, finding producers we've worked with and that we've enjoyed. Uh, which this one was Cameron Webb. He did the tipping point as well, which was 2016. Um, So we just really enjoyed his sound, his style. And we went back with him again out in uh, Southern California. And, uh, you know, we've done with Ryan Green as well, who's done like a lot of the no effects and like the fat record stuff, uh, both brilliant producers. Um, But it it does make a difference. I think it's just a different thing. You know, like when you have, when you put the money into a little more, if you can, if you can afford it, um it does make a difference production wise you know but i mean there also is something to be said about the quality of really raw stuff you know it's like it's really authentic and like organic and pure you know as opposed to like going over and taking track after track and redoing tracks and whatever the case one call you
1: know right
0: i like them both (laughs) right
1: i was listening to the i think it's the the debut ep just before the the uh um, the debut album and uh, although it sounds very raw, all, all the elements are there and and your playing is very good and and not not to sound sort of ridiculous, but uh, I play in a punk band and we've been playing for a long time and we don't sound that great. And uh, you guys sounded really, really good from the very beginning. I, I read that um, you were you didn't have that much experience with, with with playing and things like that. So how does that actually happen? How do you get so good so fast? I guess if, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Well, thank you first for that, but
1: <laughs> we, uh,
0: I don't know, man. Honestly, we, we, all, we all came from musical backgrounds in the beginning. Um, every every individual member back in the early days, the original band cast was, you know, from a blues background, a funk background, like Chili Peppers. My guitar player was like Chili Peppers and like, just love blues, you know, in general. My, my bass player uh, at the time, Jeremy Wood, loved metal. He was like Megadeth and like Metallica, that was him. You know, drummer was like in hip hop you know, beats and all that stuff, you know, and I was just straight skate punk basically back in the early days, uh, just cause I skateboarded and I liked fast stuff and it got me motivated, you know, to skate faster. So I think we all just kind of like learn our tricks of the trade uh, along the way, you know, it's like you just you keep on trying and keep on uh, experimenting and you just, you get better at what you're trying to do, I guess, you, know, you don't know what you're doing but you're just trying to do something cooler. Um, You know, my mom used to sing a lot as far as singing goes. My mom used to sing like every song on the radio and it blew my mind. So I was always like, how does she know all these songs? But now I get it because radio plays the same songs over and over again, you know, but she could sing. My my uncle sang and uh, I kind of got a neck for it when I was younger, you know, and uh, just kind of developed into it and started taking it more seriously by watching other bands and listening to other bands and singers um, and just kind of trying to perfect my craft, I guess, you know, along the way. And, and, and it's and such a, it's, the whole band
1: in general yeah. It's it such a distinctive vocal sound and and uh, you've you've managed to maintain it uh, unlike unfortunately a lot of, of of other singers that that do it for a long time because uh, I guess it it can be sort of hazardous if you if you do it for a long time and the technique is not exactly there. Uh, uh, how do you how do you keep that? Uh, because some of the some of the songs, especially the earlier ones they're they're not exactly uh, easy to sing I, I guess technique wise
0: yeah i mean a lot of it is um just uh doing it for so long like your, your, your body kind of adapts to it i guess a little bit is my my feeling i guess um i uh, i do like i've learned like vocal warm-ups warm-downs i guess after shows too uh whiskey is always good right. <laughs> yeah, it's really not but you know um has got me this far um right. but anyhow <laughs> uh <laughs> No, I just like just, just uh, practicing and learning new techniques. Like I've, I've watched a few videos, you know, I've never taken vocal lessons, really. I've uh, just kind of learned what my body does know and doesn't like. Um, and I've tried to work around that, I guess, you know, with more of a head voice kind of in situations and the nasal voice and all the, all the elements, you know what I mean? Um, I just try, I try to be like, I try to educate myself along the way to grow and not just, you know, get scratchy and blow it out you know completely i've got a vocal doctor i go to here in town uh every after every tour to get my, you know your scope up through your nose down through your vocal cords and then check out your vocal cords your lymphs and all that um and uh, just get those checked out every down again just to make sure i'm still healthy with it a lot of hot tea a lot of honey uh before every show uh, I, I try not to talk during the day which sucks because you become you become kind of recluse a little bit, but it's for okay. the better bit of the evening of the event, you know. So right. those are my those are my tips.
1: <laughs> and that, that, that's brilliant actually, because I've uh, I, I'm I'm trying to learn to sing better and then a lot of it is just uh, you know trial and error. So that helps a lot and thank you. Um, yeah, absolutely,
0: yeah. yeah. I, I would say again, like use a lot of your nasal
1: mm-hmm. you know, if
0: nasal thing, nasal thing or whatever. Yeah. Um, and a lot of your head and try and avoid throating anything if you can.
1: It seems to make sense, especially when you're doing like a higher register and uh, um, at a bigger volume, sort of thing. It it yeah. it it eventually sort of kicks in, but but not not immediately, at, at least for most most people. Um, yeah, let the
0: air let the air pass, but don't force it. I guess you know.
1: Right, right. But it's 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 really um, I guess if you look at it, uh, I, I'm going to ask you. Uh, it's, it, it's a really serious business. Uh, touring, obviously. There's been a break, but but usually a lot of your life, I guess, is it, centered around touring and, of course, recording. And that's, especially after a while, it, it it gets to be serious business, I guess, if you don't, if you're not disciplined enough to, to do it it, it, it can really go astray. And I know you've been doing it for a long time, and there have been also some some issues along, uh, along the way. Um, and I'm wondering about that. What's the difference from doing it when you're very young, just starting out? and and later when i guess you have to be a bit more organized things like that
0: more serious about it, right yeah i mean like you say back when you're younger it's like you're just doing it for fun you're kind of messing around you know you're just having a good time but then when it becomes your lifestyle and your actual life completely I, like you know 295 days a year basically like traveling you're exhausted you're performing every night you're dehydrated you're exo- you know you're worn out your voice is going to shit you know you're try, you're trying to you're trying to find a way to make it to the next show. And it's all you think about that night when your voice starts going out and you're like, Oh God, I got seven more shows in a row. You know, you know, we did, we did Europe actually, we did 40, 44 shows in 45 days straight. Wow. Which was intense, dude. Cause we went to, we did Russia the first four days and we all got super like sick, like really sick. Like we drank something weird. We chugged the tap water. I don't know what happened, but we all got really sick like flu symptom kind of sick you know and but we had to keep on playing so we were like there was a show in switzerland we played i got sick my base player, base player got sick first out there and the russians were like the guys out there they're all they're all oh you know what the cure is Drink more vodka
1: so he did. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's a cure for everything is what they said and so he kept on doing it and then he started turning gray and like blue in the lips and i'm like dude you're not okay you know so he got over it one day. And then the, that same day, he got over his sickness. I got sick, woke up that morning, just horrible. Um, and we had to play Switzerland that night and uh, we got there and like, I had to, I couldn't drink water. I couldn't do anything like, without keeping myself composed. Um, so uh, that was a thing. Um, but anyways, so that being said, uh, you just need to keep on trying to take care of yourself, <laughs> Take you know, take a lot of vitamins, uh, Get as much rest as you can. The biggest thing I can say is get as much rest as possible uh, to rejuvenate your body. Um, that's the key element that I I live by. It's like take naps on the way to the next town You can't. You're not driving or whatever, and uh, just take your vitamins and drink a lot of water, like consistent water, like two gallons a day at least.
1: Right, right, right. That's brilliant advice. Um, uh, how how has seeing as this is a, a really weird period, uh, especially with the absence of live shows uh, and the uncertainty regarding you know the music industry. Um, I'm wondering uh, how technology has changed interaction with fans. I know that you you've done uh, some live streams and things like that. And, and I'm also wondering what do you think will be the, um, will be the faith of music venues, especially the, the smaller ones, once once live music comes back.
0: That I don't know. Honestly, man. I don't think everything's gonna I don't think anything's gonna be the same for quite a long time. I don't know when I could say it could be possibly close to it, but I do know things are gonna be different. People are scared, people are nervous, people are going to be consistently aware, you know, of their surroundings, more so than they were before, I think, as well. Um, I hope it comes back to a good place to where people feel comfortable. Um, uh, as far as like playing shows and like doing the live stream stuff, I've had a great time. The interaction with the audience and the crowd has been great because people are appreciative of it, you know, and I'm appreciative of them uh, just tuning in, you know, uh, a lot of like home, hometown live stream kind of stuff that I've been doing in my office here. Um, and I've done a couple of shows out and about, but it's been like very scarce as far as audience goes. So I can tell that people are nervous about getting out and about, obviously, uh, rightfully so. Um, but I, I don't know. I just hope hope over time it's, it comes around again, you know, and people, get, we get back to where we were before. But like I say, I don't know if that's going to be a possibility as far as people's mental state, because they are uh, definitely shell-shocked a little bit, you know.
1: Right, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, so I
0: mean, I, yeah, I don't have an answer completely as far as like where I think it might go, but I hope in a very positive direction.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it feels the same way here, even though obviously the the music scene is 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 much smaller because the few clubs that uh, were active and, and and could provide you know stage and a decent sound system they're kind of having uh, uh, difficulties um, and uh, I'm, I'm actually wondering maybe this ties into to my next question uh, i read somewhere that uh, when you when you started to to get bigger as a band uh, you occasionally played under different names just so you could you know interact with with the community and it was around the time that you were playing the world tour and I'm wondering yeah. what, what, what that's like to sort of transition from uh, smaller stages doing the world tour and how you keep, you know, your connection with, with fans, with regular fans.
0: Well, that's exactly how we do it. You know, it's like, that's the fun part about It's like we do like stu- pseudo names. you know, yeah. the Irish Car Bombs, you know, Jason and the Daggers, like just an, an ass load of like different weird names just so we can actually, because, you know, there's always the radius clause with a lot of these festivals and like shows we do in town. And so you can't play around a certain amount of time, but we still wanna keep playing. So we have done (laughs) different names to get our core audience, I guess that uh, the people in the know of the uh, pseudonames, um, a nice personal interactive show to like keep in touch with them, you know, because it it just sucks when you're like, you're allowed to play four shows a year, Uh, that sucks. You know, you wanna keep on playing. So it's like, you find alternative methods.
1: And that's brilliant because <laughs> like most, most bands would, would try and cut cut uh, those out if, if they could.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, yeah. So we, what we do is like also with those shows, we'll do um, songs we wouldn't normally play like in our, our full band name set, I guess, you know, like play old school songs or like cover songs or just almost like me first in the Gimme Gimme's just fuck around and play whatever, <laughs> you know, just have a party and have a good time
1: right brilliant and, and and speaking of that and uh, i i was just reading about the early tours and you playing with with a bunch of uh, uh, important especially pop punk bands maybe that's kind of narrowing it down uh, bands like sum 41 and Guttermouth. and one, i was wondering about those early tours and also what was that you know interest from especially back then it seems that there was a lot of interest from major labels and and, and things like that uh, what was that like and what's it like you know negotiating with a big corporation i guess
0: (laughs) it was weird man honestly we we had been a band at that point we had been been a band for seven years and so we were still young and learning we talked about this earlier We, we were still young and learning how to play our instruments learning what kind of music we wanted to play we just were playing whatever we felt we wanted to play you know and we had no once again no categories so for a major label even in the general to like let alone an independent label to have interest in us blew our minds you know but um locally here we had a station called 106.3 and 100.3 the edge and uh my friend Derek Craven Moorhead uh had a local sunny show that he played uh and he played one local band each Sunday called Backyard Bullocks and so I went down to the station I dropped up for demo and like kept on like calling harassing him you know and uh he finally was like all right cool I dig he's like you guys remind me of like old descendants I was like We'll take it <laughs> you know especially our, our old like you know once again like the rough recordings and so we played our song we were all crushed crouched around our little radio you know in the, in the bedroom you know just like freaking out we we're like oh the radio and so from there it went to uh he pushed it on to our friend nancy stevens who was the head uh pr lady at the edge and we got better recordings and they started playing it on actual rape uh in in full rotation and so the, the record label started like seeing this on their little charts or whatever uh universal saw it and atlantic lava side and uh so they started coming and seeing us play live out at home uh we had big crowds uh, developing at that point and they thought it might be like a fly by night kind of deal you know they're like oh it's a local thing real quick it's going to kind of pass by and then it kept on happening and they kept on playing our song and uh they kept seeing that so they came back out with real interest and so it became a battle between universal and atlantic lava um and then we ended up going with lava records and uh, we had management at the time Bob, Bob, brad patrick and uh they took care of all of the logistics and we were just like kids in a candy store honestly we were freaked out we didn't know what to do we were like young we're 21 years old you know and we've been working so hard for so many years and all of a sudden this happens we're like and then we said the road we've been on the road ever since 2001 man just like firing off
1: <laughs> wow Oh, yeah. It's
0: pretty pretty trippy, you know. But as as, as it goes with the corporations, like you say, in the major corporations, we didn't sell a million records. So they were obligated to do two records with us. Uh, so they did the second one, which they gave a shit about, really. And uh, from there, they dropped us. And we've been just independent ever since going uh, in an indie label to individual now. Uh,
1: right. Throughout the years. And is that in, in, in a way more, or the, I suppose it, it it has its advantages about, being able to to pick and choose more, in a way, working as, yes. as an independent.
0: Absolutely, yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing too, is like with the, when we signed Atlantic, they, 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 didn't, they didn't want to put us in Europe, they didn't want to put us abroad. They just had to circulate the US and Canada like over and over and over again for years. Um, whereas, you know, our genre of the punk rock vein was pretty, it would have been smart to put us out in Europe around that time because it was like, during the end of the you know the 90s in the early 20s to 20 2000s uh where um that genre of music was popping up pretty good so we've been playing the game of catch-up for the past like 10 12 years uh by getting ourselves out into europe into japan and you know overseas in general you know and it's it's been very beneficial and uh we still don't know why they wouldn't have done that in the first place because it's very appreciated up you know out about it seems more Right, right. Solid music
1: in, in Romania at least and ho- hopefully live shows will return and and you might be able to play in Romania like I said uh, uh there's there's a lot of appreciation i uh, obviously don't know all, all, all the people that listen to punk rock in in Bucharest, but the ones they do uh, are 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 big fans okay. let's play together man uh, sure i I don't know if you want us uh, uh, opening for you you you'd have to listen to us first and you might quickly change your mind. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> well i'll take it i'll take a listen Sh- shoot me a shoot me a link
1: thank you i'd love yeah, to man. thanks love to hear it and i'm wondering uh, also you know in regards to the uh, rather weird part of, of of success and mainstream success uh there's obviously the uh long lasting apart from from your 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 big hits um uh, uh the long lasting success of the cover of mexican radio and obviously you do a lot of other great covers of, uh, you know, Rancid and Minor Threat, things like that. Um, but it, it sort of seemed to seems to have caught a, a, a world of its own, and um, I'm wondering about that, and also about the time you released it. Obviously, it coincided with uh, some would call it Iraq invasion, but the, the war in Iraq. And um, what was what was that like? And how has it been?
0: <laughs> the war in Iraq back in the day.
1: Yeah, wasn't it, uh, weren't some of the lyrics uh, changed to sort of coincide with that? Or or do I have that wrong?
0: We did uh, Rock Against Bush with No Effects and Fat Records. Yeah, that's what you're talking about.
1: Uh, Back, when was that,
0: 2004, I think it was? Maybe. Uh, But yeah, once again, that's the song Revolution. It was really based on... uh, social change rather than like political change, I guess, completely, you know, it's like rather than like the uh, politics of yes or no, um, what was going on over there, because it was just any wars a mess to me in my head, you know, it's like uh, it's the weird evil that happens consistently. Um, but that was just what we added to the, the plate to uh, get people to free think a little bit and maybe reassess how they feel about uh, the fact of um, people hurting each other a lot.
1: <laughs> right, right.
0: <laughs> You and know, and, and the prefer. cover of
1: of uh, uh, Mexican Radio. Uh, oh, how, right. how did you choose that? And you know, it's it's become such a such a popular cover.
0: Yeah, so that one came about. Actually, we're leading back to the the, lab, the label stuff. They first okay. So we recorded also with our friend Miguel. who did Sublime. He did like uh of Sublime stuff from 40 40s of Freedom, oh. and I recorded that song all the vocals so the backups and everything in Bradley Noel's uh, bathroom in his own house, his old house that Miguel now had taken over. Uh, so he had this idea, he presented to the label, the idea of Mexican radio. We're like, that makes sense. We're like, you know, we're Arizona. We're like right by the border. We go there all the time and play and we have a style of flamenco and things that involved as well. And so I was like, all right. Uh, at first I was a little bit like reluctant because I didn't want to, they wanted to put that out as our first single. And I was this little punk rock kid that did not want to be known for a song that was a cover song uh, and our for our own music only, you know. So I was a little piece of shit. And <laughs> so I was really resilient against uh, the idea of it. But I went along with it. And I was like, cool. All right. And after the time, I got excited about it. It started sounding cool. You know, we had to drop the key down a little bit for the vocals and make it a little more powerful. We changed the drum melody on it, too. Um and then obviously the iraq invasion it was during that time frame so uh we changed the lyrics a bit as well to make it coincide with the times um and have an impact on that also so and that was pretty much it man we, we you know the label really wanted to do that song and we didn't put it out as, as a single it became one of the more popular songs off that album um without being a single but uh in the end it's just it's fun to play you know it's like it's really fun to play we played it over seas again too and you know it's been like a big request um out and about like we played poland for the first time probably the last time and only time and uh it was a big shout out to uh, be requested for the, the set
1: so oh, wow nice nice yeah. um and you know, get, getting closer to, to the end of the interview, but but I have a, a question from uh, from a friend, and, and sorry if this is hopefully it's not out of, of out of line, but uh, my friend uh, Luigi uh, is is a big fan of uh, today we heard the news, and uh, yes. he he asked me to ask you uh, if it's not too personal, uh, who the song is about or uh, or what it's what it's about.
0: So um, I was in my exact spot right here in this office right here by the computer just it out. And uh I have gotten word that Tony Sly from The Least for Name had passed away. The singer of uh, the band. And we've been on tour with them with you talking about some 41. That was one of the tours we were on with them as well as Sum 41. And uh just got to meet the guys and like, you know, and Tony and all that. And then like I say, I, I just had heard I woke up and, and saw that he passed away unexpectedly. And I wrote the song right there on the spot, like right there, just like grab my music guitar and lyrics came out just purely and it was really it hit, it hit home you know a lot because his passing how instant it was because when you're on the road man it's like you don't know what's going to happen it's like and we flipped our van before you know it's like that could be it you know it's like flights you know traveling in general on stage you break yourself anything can happen and it did happen to him and it was heartbreaking and um i wrote a song called today we are the news because i did that day and uh it just was really impactful as being in a band as well as knowing Tony and uh, having played with him and getting to know him along the way. And uh, it was just, it was devastating.
1: Even not knowing that story, it's such a, a heartfelt and, and and powerful song.
0: Thank you. Yeah, I meant it. <laughs> Very impactful for uh, for for myself as well.
1: Yeah, in, in closing, and, and let me just ask you if this is okay. We we tend to take it in a slightly more ridiculous uh, tone, just just to close it off in you know in a positive way. And and some people yeah. we've interviews kind of hate that. And if you do, I I, I apologize, and, and fe- feel free to tell me that. But I just have a, a few uh, you know silly questions if if it's okay to close on that. Hate me, dude. I was wondering, oh, just because like as we mentioned, uh, the the covers that you you do that you occasionally do. They're so good, and uh, obviously they, they sound like like you, like no other band. When you cover a song, I was wondering if you were to cover a you know a metal song like a Pantera song or a Metallica song, something like that. What what yes. would fit Authority Zero? What, what would be good?
0: I would do Pantera, uh, This Love. I've always wanted to cover This Love.
1: Wow, just good.
0: It's fucking intense. It's intense and it's awesome. <laughs>
1: Right, it's, it's right. one of my
0: workout songs, man. It's just like it's a, it's a, it's very very strong and very intense and powerful.
1: I'd I'd love to hear those vocals. I'm so, I'm sure they sound amazing. Um, nice, us looking from from Europe, we're we're sort of amazed and you know in a great way about if I'm not mistaken the cannabis laws in in, in Arizona for recreational use. Um, uh, hopefully i'm not mistaken. i'm wondering if if uh, the state of arizona was to commission authority zero to to provide a you know an anthemic song to to this uh, industry uh, what what would it be called or wh- where would you go with that you know thematically? smoke it up oh it's brilliant <laughs> very on point yeah
0: i try to take one puff right before be battery night, man oh brilliant yeah 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 it helps yeah it's it's relaxing
1: <laughs> absolutely absolutely
0: mellows you out these crazy times
1: yeah yeah and i guess it it, it sort of showed that uh, you know in, in in arizona and other places that's obviously not not the end of the world if if it actually gets legalized you know nothing terrible happened yeah um and uh i'm wondering obviously the work tour you have a connection with that and from what i understand it was supposed to close in in uh, 2019 obviously there was this 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 break where uh, no live shows existed. But if if the Warped Tour was to was to make a return from the bands that you played with, who would you like to see, or who would be you know worthy of of headlining a a, re, a new Warped Tour?
0: Man, I think I mean I'm old school, you know a bit. Obviously, I'm 41 years old, so I, I would say Pennywise, Bad Religion, get the old guy, get the get the old guys back, man. It's like you know it's like Bad Religion, Pennywise, No Effects. Uh, geez, get Alkaline Trio in there. Uh, get the used. Uh, shit, get us.
1: Absolutely, <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I gotta throw our name in the pot. Uh, that, that would yeah, be I a mean,
1: killer lineup.
0: Bands of that nature, and then tons of local bands each city, you know, get the local band some love.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And finally, and uh, this is, I promise, the uh, uh, the most ridiculous question, but it's, it's over after that. Heard a lot of uh, you know covers of of Miley Cyrus and pop stars doing some rock covers, trying to sort of stretch out their uh, um, their abilities, and uh, I'm wondering if if Miley Cyrus or anyone like that was going to cover Revolution. I guess you touched on that. What what word of advice would you would you give to a you know young pop star attempting that?
0: Oh boy. Uh... Like okay,
1: um, I, I was thinking that job. would be one of the more difficult ones. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Do a good job and make it count. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, the best. Yeah. That's all I got. For yeah, yeah. Miley Cyrus cover Revolution. I think that'd be kind of awesome. Actually,
1: I'd like to hear <laughs> that'd be that impressive. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, just in closing, uh, I wanted to ask you about. Obviously, there have been uh, two. If I'm not mistaken, two two new singles out. Um, do you have a plan for, for an album, or, or, or where where is that heading to?
0: Yes, we are doing a full-length album. It's coming out June 18th. We're doing a hometown show, if it does go through, uh, depending upon pandemic stuff and whatever. Our idea is to do a live hometown show at the Marquee Theatre on June 18th um, and release the album. We have vinyl. We are doing cassette tapes, because it's okay. a thing now. <laughs> I don't know who has a tape recorder or not, but, you know. Uh, also uh, CDs and uh, also online distro, uh, all, the, all the networks. Um, but that'll be coming out soon. So we're gonna do our next single is gonna be called The Back Nine coming out on June, What is it, June? I'm sorry, May 30th. Yeah, May 30th. <laughs> so keep an eye out for that. We're gonna do like more uh, lyric videos as well and then release another single we have uh, guest appearances on our album by our friends uh, from Japan. Uh, Shun uh, out there. He sings with Hey Smith and also Jim Lindbergh from Pennywise, uh, which we'll be releasing as one of our late last singles when the album comes out. So.
1: That, that's that plan. sounds really, really exciting. And I, I can't wait to, to hear the album and, and uh, you know, also get my hands on, uh, on the physical copy. Uh, I think that's really cool. And yeah, uh, Thank you so much for the interview. Like I said, especially since it's it's very early in the morning for you and uh, uh, really, really appreciate it.
0: No problem, man. I appreciate the interview too, man. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much. Well, wishing no you all see you the best. guys soon, man. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Hopefully, you know, uh, Europe and, and Romania soon as uh, as it is possible.
0: Yeah, hope so, man. Hopefully it was supposed to be this summer, but it got canceled. So we'll see about next summer.
1: absolutely we'd we'd, we'd love that i'd love that all right again thank you so much
0: cheers take care take care bye see you thank you